Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Donald Trump has raised a quarter of a billion dollars on the claim that the election was stolen from him when he knew all along it was a lie and that he lost the election fair and square. We have been warned about Donald Trump and the current state of the Republican Party and the crazies that have been animating it literally since the 1960s. It was in 1954 when the Supreme Court reversed their own 1896 Plessy versus Ferguson decision and said, no, we can't have legal school segregation in the United States any longer. It was 1954 when they did that. And that produced an explosion, basically. The need for integrated schools or the demand, the Supreme Court demand for integrated schools led to the creation of the John Birch Society. It led to a whole bunch of right-wing splinter groups. It altered the course of the Republican Party and the Democratic Party. Within a decade, the Democratic Party would have passed civil rights legislation, voting rights legislation, you know, had embraced the idea of a pluralistic, multiracial society. The Republican Party, on the other hand, within a decade and a half, had Nixon's Southern strategy and had embraced largely Southern racists that had been basically abandoned by the Democratic Party. But John F. Kennedy, President Kennedy, warned us about this way back in November of 1961. This is a speech he gave in California on November 18th, 1961, to the Democratic Party of California. And he talks about how in the most critical periods of our nation's history, there have always been those on the fringes of our society, and back then they were the fringes, who have sought to escape their own responsibility, he says, by finding a simple solution, an appealing slogan, or a convenient scapegoat. Now, the clip of this speech is, on, is embedded into my HartmanReport.com rant today, my, my daily take today, um, but I want to just uh, play a little bit of it here with you or for you. Uh, this is President Kennedy. In the most critical periods of our nation's history, there have always been those on the fringes of our society who have sought to escape their own responsibility by finding a simple solution, an appealing slogan, or a convenient scapegoat. And then he goes on to talk about basically groups like the Klan and the Birchers, um, talking about how the discordant voices of extremism are once again heard in the land. Keep in mind, this was 1961. This was John Kennedy looking at the John Birch Society that had been so uh, generously funded in part by uh, Fred Koch. Financial crises could be explained by the presence of too many immigrants or too few greenbacks. War could be attributed to munition makers or international bankers. So he's describing the conspiracy theories of the day. Peace conferences failed because we were duped by the British, or tricked by the French, or deceived by the Russians. And then he continues. At times, these fanatics have achieved a temporary success among those who lack the will or the wisdom to face unpleasant facts or unsolved problems. But in time, the basic good sense and stability of the great American consensus has always prevailed. Now we are face to face once again 
with a period of heightened peril. The risks are great, the burdens heavy, the problems incapable of swift or lasting solution. And, and, he, and he continues here to talk about how these, these right-wing crazies, the demagogues within the Republican Party, and ba back then, I mean, this was, uh, Joe McCarthy was still around, right? I, he'd been kind of discredited, but not, not terribly. Uh, here we are, 1961. And under the strains and frustrations imposed by constant tensions and harassment, the discordant voices of extremism are once again heard in the land. Men who are unwilling to face up to the danger from without are convinced that the real danger is from within. See, they're, they're telling us, oh, you, you know, the, the bad guys, it's, it's not the Russians, it's, it's us, it's those black people, it's those liberals, it's those Democrats. Didn't you know that Democrats are promoting communism? John Kennedy continues, President Kennedy. They look suspiciously at their neighbors and their leaders. They call for a man on horseback because they do not trust the people. And you know, they got their man on horseback. His name was Ronald Reagan. They find treason in our churches, in our highest court, in our treatment of water. They equate the Democratic Party with the welfare state, the welfare state with socialism, socialism with communism. See, there you go. I mean, even in 1961, Republicans were calling Democrats communists. They object quite rightly to politics intruding on the military, but they are very anxious for the military to engage in their kind of politics. Which is exactly what happened, uh, you know, w with uh, Trump. I mean, this is, this is very much Trump. He continues. You and I, most Americans, soldiers and civilians, take a different view of our peril. We know it comes from without, not within. It must be met by quiet preparedness, not provocative speeches. And the steps taken this year to bolster our defenses, to increase our missile forces, to put more planes on alert, to provide more airlift and sea lift and ready divisions, to make more certain than ever before that this nation has all the power that it will need to deter any attack of any kind, these steps constitute the most effective answer that can be made to those who would sow the seeds of doubt and hate. So let us not heed those counsels of fear and suspicion. Yes, let us not heed those counsels of fear and suspicion. We've got, we've got bigger fish to fry, right? We've got to deal with the Soviet Union and Cuba and all this kind of stuff. Is Essentially what he's saying, and, and you know, he wraps it up, just you know, clearly nailing this down. Let us concentrate more on keeping enemy bombers and missiles away from our shore and concentrate less on keeping neighbors away from our shelters. We're keeping neighbors away from our shelters. He was talking about bomb shelters. Let us devote our energy to organizing the free and friendly nations of the world with common trade and strategic goals and devote less energy to organizing armed bands of civilian guerrillas that are more likely to supply local vigilantes than national vigilance. Armed bands of civilian guerrillas. It's vigilantes. I mean, you get this, right? I mean, this is John Kennedy. Let our patriotism be reflected in the creation of confidence in one another rather than in crusades of suspicion. Let us prove that we think our country great by striving to make it greater. And above all, let us remember, however serious the outlook, however harsh the task, the one great irreversible trend in the history of the world is on the side of liberty. And we, for all time to come, are on the same side. There you go. And that's, that's what gives me hope, is that I believe that there are still a lot of Americans who absolutely believe that, that, the, that we are on the side of liberty, and that is the hope for America. It's just astonishing to me. When I came across this speech by Kennedy uh, over the weekend, and, and I was listening to it, it was like, what, this guy have a time machine? 
was he seeing Donald Trump down, you know, down there? Well, no, it's just Donald Trump is the logical outcome of the Republican Party embracing this kind of stuff. So the question, and I'll pick up your calls on the other side of this break, the question, will the GOP change? This is the Tom Hartman Program. Are these hearings going to be enough? Will, will they at the very least repudiate Trump? Or are they just going to continue to promote fascism? Tim in Aloha, Oregon. Hey, Tim, thanks for watching us on Free Speech TV. So what are your thoughts on all this? Well, you know, it's funny, Brown versus the Board of Education, that was on my birthday in 1954. Wow. So I, I, I'm, a, I'm kind of a historical buff. That's why I like uh, watching your show. But, uh, you know, the uh, putting things in historical context is a, is a statement that's disappearing. I've got friends who are teachers, and it seems like uh, the youth of America, they don't care. Yesterday is gone and tomorrow isn't here, and it's really scary. You can tell by the uh, amount of them that actually go out and vote, you know, in terms of percentages. But I think what's going to happen with this uh, this current um, investigation. It's all it's going to do is help Trump. You think? Because the people, the, the people that are on his side are going to continue to say, stay there. You know what you have to do is again, like putting things in historical context. Go back when he was first started running for president, and Cruz and everybody that was in theory running for president said what a lunatic he was, and they didn't even understand how how absolutely stupid his base was. You know, that's generational stupidity. You talk about those areas in the South, and the Midwest. I have friends and relatives of those areas, and they still think that way. If they could go back to the first 30 years of the 20th century with the height of Jim Crow, they'd do it tomorrow. So what it's going to do, it's going to help him, unfortunately, and that's a scary thought, you know. I, I disagree, Tim. I, I think it's, I, I don't think it's going to make much difference with the hardcore racist fascist base, right? That's 20% of America. They're, 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 they, they would salute, they were saluting Joe McCarthy back in the day. They were loving on Hitler right up until Pearl Harbor. I mean, you know, right. uh, uh, Rex Stout published that whole well, they book. Have Nazi, they had Nazi rallies in the U.S., I yeah. remember. You know. Yeah, yeah, the, 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 the German-American Bund, um, you right. know, the, the 30,000 people in Madison Square Garden, absolutely. So that's there, and that's not going to change. There's, there, you know, there's 20% of, of fascists in America have kind of always been with us, and they have their moments in the sun that, they, you know, rise and, and go away. But I think that... And, and, and obviously this is going to change the minds of Democrats because Democrats know how corrupt Donald Trump is and the people around him and, and, and how crazy it all is. I think, though, that where this is going to have an impact are those people who are the, essentially the low information voters, the, 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 the people who proclaim that they are independents. And, and I don't mean that as a slur, a low information voter. Uh, it was funny. Somebody on Twitter over the weekend said, oh, Hartman's No, I don't mean it as a slur at all. You know, people are busy. And uh, there, there, there were times in my life when I was a low information voter. But those are the folks that I think these hearings have, a, have the potential to reach. And well, 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 Tom, we'll see how that happens, you know, and, and I'll get back to you. Yeah. But you know what I mean? This, this is scary stuff. You, all, like I said, you just need to put things in historical context and see, see where we are. You know, and when you were talking about, can you imagine what a different world it would have been if Bobby Kennedy would have been elected president? Oh, yeah. It would have literally changed the world, you know yeah. what I mean? And those are little specific items that you have to look at in terms of putting things in historical context that are translating into what's happening today. Yeah. Or if John Kennedy had not been assassinated, or been assassinated, uh, correct? Yeah. Or if or Martin, Ronald, or Martin Luther King, and you could go on and on. Yeah. Right. Or if Ronald Reagan hadn't cut a deal with the Iranians to hold the hostages. Right. Or destroyed the, the, the labor unions. You right. Know? Or if the Supreme Court hadn't given the uh, 2000 election to George W. Bush, even though he lost it by a half million votes. And what do you think about basically the essence of my op-ed today, over at HartmanReport.com, which was this kind of presentation has the potential to take down Trump. I just don't see how Republicans, particularly seeing, you know, the, what a grift he was running on his own supporters, you know, the, the low dollar donations. He, he raised a quarter of a billion dollars from people claiming that there was election fraud when there wasn't. I find that just absolutely breathtaking. And I think that narrowing it down like that, oh yeah, once again, Donald Trump is in it for the money. Once again, Donald Trump is in it for himself. Once again, Donald Trump is exploiting 
the racists and the paranoids and the, the you know <laughs> the people who follow him in ways that are just extraordinarily destructive to our democracy. Quick math, the less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Just head over to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Sandra in Omaha, Nebraska. Hey, Sandra, thanks for watching us on YouTube. What's on your mind today? Well, they said that they were going to cover the uh, committee hearings, and so I was uh, wanting to pre-record and set that up. But uh, when you look at the major ABC, NBC, CBS stations, you see game shows and talk shows and They didn't carry shows. the hearings this morning? Not at all. Oh, my God. I checked throughout the entire... In fact, I watched as it supposedly was on nothing but game shows and talk shows and fun and frolic and whatnot. And so if, if an average person that can't afford cable has rabbit ears on a TV and the only stations they can get are those, they will not have access to the hearings. Now I found it on MSNBC and CNN. And so I'm thinking maybe, maybe the major corporations really don't care too much about traders. Maybe it doesn't matter to them. Well, they like Republicans. So, I mean, we all know yeah. that. So yeah. But, so, but do if they you're like looking fascist? For it, you're going to have to search. Yeah. But do they like fascist Republicans? I mean, at, at yeah, what at what at what point does corporate America say, you know, Republicans are good, tax cuts, deregulation, you know, letting us do stock buybacks and all that kind of stuff. That that makes us a lot of money. We're very happy about that, but. You know, this fascism thing, this racism thing, this, 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 you know, uh, stirring up hate, this, this, uh, you know, trashing yeah. LGBTQ people. Uh, yeah. This isn't, this isn't our brand. I mean, Disney is there, but it seems yeah. like they're the only company that, that has, that has really taken a position. Yeah. The rest of them, I don't think they care. I think they figure if they ignore it, it won't happen. If yeah. they ignore it, it won't be uh, anything that affects them. They are rich. They can do what they want. Yeah, it's uh, it's a tragedy. Sandra, thank you. Thanks for the uh, information on that. I didn't realize. I thought everybody was carrying it. That's that's a bummer. Barry in Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, Barry, what's on your mind? Uh, talking about the corporations and the fascism, um, isn't there fiduciary responsibility to their shareholders? I mean, do they really care about the people in in the end, or even their customers? Really. Um, but I was going to talk a little bit about, uh, you know, these high oil prices and gas prices and playing perpetual optimist here. Um, what do you think that, that possibly in the big picture, because the climate is always my big umbrella uh, issue, that in some weird way this might be the motivating factor to get Americans to start buying more electric cars? My son was just looking for a used car. We were looking at the... To, you know, we were looking at cars and, you know, the next fleet of cars coming out are all electric cars. Yeah. yeah. And I'm just wondering in some weird way, did they get the memo that, you know, it's over? Oil I think, I think over. the word is starting to get out that it costs one quarter to the, the, the cost for electricity is 27 percent of what the cost of gasoline is right now for the same driving the same number of miles. 
That's pretty breathtaking, right? Yeah, yeah, and I'm I'm just wondering maybe maybe this will be the the incentive for Americans to get electric cars. Who I knows? think it might. I think I think it may well. And and uh, you're absolutely right. The the electric cars are coming out, and and there and you know it used to be a premium thing. It used to be a luxury thing. Now now there's electric cars that are that are uh, cheap. They're as cheap as any other yep. normal car. Yep. That, uh, Barry, Thank thanks you, a lot for the call. Yeah, good talking with you. Mark in Valley, Washington. Hey, Mark, what's on your mind today? I'm kind of pessimistic about this. I mean, everybody's talking about the 20 million that watched, and I guess in today's the way to mediate is that that's a good number, but 20 million, they could have easily been singing to the choir. Yeah, it's entirely possible, and and I'm I have not seen any good polling on what impact these hearings are having. Have you? Uh, no, and, and like you say, you're, you're not going to change any maggots. You're not going to have them turn into butterflies, okay? That's, That's right. not going to happen. Right. All right, the only people with this is playing to is the independents, the Republicans that are anti-Trump, and Merrick Garland. That's it. And if we don't I get agree. that crowd to watch and pay attention, it's over with. Because my view, and I'm going to be 65 in October, my observation throughout my life as Americans, as narrow-minded as it is, Vote their wallet. Yeah. Well, you know, certainly history shows that, uh, you know, a good recession is the best way. I mean, the inflation of the 1970s and 80s is why Jerry is a, probably a large part of the reason why Jerry Ford and Jimmy Carter were both one term presidents. I mean, there were obviously other factors in both cases, Part, you know, Ford's pardon and, and, and Carter having the hostages taken. But, um, yeah, I, it, I go ahead and they don't message i mean i've seen all sorts of people out talking about why biden you know what biden's doing for inflation I haven't heard one of them not one of them say that shell bp and chevron showed a 300 percent increase in their profits over the same period last a year ago yeah i don't think it was 300 percent, but it, it's substantial i mean maybe, maybe. i mean they, they need to blade us where it is we got price gouging going on yeah no, well, Biden There's has talked about the that. Inflation. I mean, you know, it's just uh, the the what what the Democrats are lacking right now is a is a media uh, ecosystem, a media infrastructure. The Republicans have a media infrastructure. They've got three right wing television networks, um, one very large and substantial, and they've got fifteen hundred right wing radio stations, and they've got about two or three hundred right wing uh, Spanish language radio stations. And Democrats so far have 18 uh, Spanish language left-wing stations uh, that just just went online or are j just about to go online now. Uh, you know that were just bought a week or two ago. And maybe MSNBC and Free Speech TV. I mean, you know, it's uh, but Free Speech TV is nothing yeah, the yeah, size but, of. But, but even when they get on MSNBC, they don't hammer the right issues. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and a lot I mean, of the, it's a total messaging failure. Yeah, and a lot of the people speaking on MSNBC are Republicans. You know, Joe Scarborough and, and uh, uh, oh, what's her name? The, the woman at, at uh, 1 o'clock in the afternoon Pacific time, uh, 4 o'clock, uh, who was the head of the John McCain campaign. Yeah, so, I, yeah. yeah uh, they're Nicole not really Wallace. a left station. Yeah. They're so, not really a left station. No, I, I don't think so. I think that they're kind of, well... You know, establishment Democratic, maybe not even that, actually, because it's mostly Republicans that are on there. Moderate Republican station. Yeah, there you go. Mark, thanks a lot for the call. That is the big structural disadvantage we have now. It's so funny that 30 years ago, the Republicans were complaining about the liberal media. Yeah. Where'd that go? Robbie in Dallas, Texas. Hey, Robbie, thanks for watching us on YouTube. What's on your mind today? I believe in what you're saying, that fascism is something that we need to greatly be concerned with. But I tend to follow biblical scripture, and I think that where we're headed as a country is not going to be a good end. I think we're going to ultimately end up in another war, and I think that's going to be the war to end all wars. And I, I really do believe if everything goes according to biblical prophecy, then there's going to be some nuclear fire here. Somebody's going to get fed up and somebody's going to launch something at us that's not going to be pretty. Yeah. I just you're, don't you're, see any other way around it. No, I, I get that. I, the interpretation of Revelation that you're uh, paraphrasing, yes. Um, yes. you know, 
came out of mostly Rush Dooney and, and his followers in the late 1800s. It's not something that was you know, widely believed at the time of Jesus or, or, or for a thousand years after Jesus. But, uh, you know, on the other on the one hand, on the other hand, yeah, nuclear weapon, fire from the sky, the four horsemen, famine, disease, um, you know, death, war. Uh, here we are. It's, uh, you know, whether you yeah, put it in a biblical frame or not. And and, right. and, you know, and and I think that, you know, we are I think we are there's a very real possibility that we are really facing a, a, a tough time, a, a really, really tough time uh, right. worldwide. You know, Tom, the Russians are threatening nuclear war. China is sitting back to see what we do before they decide they want to invade Taiwan and we've committed to defending Taiwan. I just think either way, it's not going to be a good end for us. I just don't see it. Yeah. Yeah, I get and, it. You know, and I've read about a lot of people, wealthy people who are getting second passports and who are leaving the country, going to the Caribbean because... Oh, wealthy people are, are buying passports all over the place. There's a mini industry yeah. of uh, third world countries selling passports to rich people. Yeah, no, I get it. Robbie, thanks for the call. It's depressing, but thanks. Steve in St. Petersburg, Florida. Hey, Steve. Thanks for listening to the uh, Tom Hartman app. What's up? I want to put forth the idea of interpersonal bottom-up fascism. Here's what I mean. I live here in Florida, which is, from what I can tell, mostly DeSantis Trump supporters. I'm in a middle-class neighborhood. My my neighbors spray poisons all over the place and kill the pollinators that I, as a vegan, value for my edible landscape. I go swimming in the Gulf of Mexico, which is dead, like the book Silent Spring predicted. The boaters and the jet skiers can break the law and endanger my life. When I called the sheriff, he said, you shouldn't be swimming. When I was run over while bicycling, the sheriff said, you shouldn't be bicycling. When I call up code enforcement to report neighbors who are violating local code, and when I call up animal control to report neighbors who are abusing their animals or maintaining nuisance animals, they say that Governor DeSantis passed a law that requires that I be that my identity and address be given to the violators, and if they retaliate against me, that's just too bad. At every step of the way where I live, I am frightened and terrified and intimidated by my Republican neighbors. Fascism is here in our neighborhoods. I get it, Steve. And I, I really think that Ron DeSantis is, frankly, a bigger fascist threat to America than Donald Trump. Because I agree he's with smart. you, Tom. He's a, I mean, he's a college, Yale, edu I believe Yale, uh, educated, uh, Ivy League educated, anyway, lawyer, and he knows what he's doing. As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Those of you who have been watching the program for years and years and years or listening to the program for years, you know, know that I have covered extensively. A lot of this is in my book, The Hidden History of the War on Voting and The Hidden History of the Supreme Court and the Betrayal of America, both those books. But basically that Dwight Eisenhower is arguably the last Republican president who actually believed in democracy, the rule of law, and that government should do what the people want. I think you could probably build a case that Jerry Ford might have been okay with that. But, you know, Richard Nixon rose, first of all, in 1960, he tried to beat John Kennedy. He was vice president at the time by conspiring with the mafia and the CIA to assassinate Castro. He thought that because Kennedy's main thing that he was beating Nixon up on was that he had let Cuba go communist in 1959. 
when he was vice president. And, uh, you know, it didn't work. And I, I think you can argue that it even arguably led to the JFK assassination. That's a whole other story. But Nixon's plan in 1960 to use foreign policy to swing an election failed. So, but he tried it again in 1968. He blew up Lyndon Johnson's peace negotiations with South Vietnam. And, uh, you know, you've, you've heard the, the, the clips of that. In fact, uh, no, I don't have it on my 360 here. Um, you know, you've heard the, the clips of that, and, and it's just, you know, this, this is, you know, where, where uh, Everett Dirksen, where Lyndon Johnson says to Everett Dirksen, you know, I don't want to get this in the election, but I can see what they're doing. I'm reading their hand here, Everett, and they shouldn't be doing this. This is treason. And Everett Dirksen says, yeah, I know. It's treason. That was 1968, Richard Nixon. He came to office in using treason. Then Ronald Reagan did it in 1980 by cutting a deal with his campaign, cutting a deal with the Ayatollah Khomeini to hang on to the hostages over the objections of President Jimmy Carter and Iranian President Bonnie Sadr, who, were, who had worked out a deal to get the hostages freed. But the Reagan campaign said to Khomeini, you hang on to the hostages and I'll sell you weapons for your American military, you know, because they had American planes and all of their weaponry was American made because of the Shah. And they needed spare parts and they needed ammunition. And so Reagan in, in 1980 commits treason in order to become president, or at least the Reagan campaign does. That leads us to George Herbert Walker Bush, who lied us into the war in Iraq by having you know, this, this woman testify before Congress that the Iraqi soldiers in Kuwait were throwing babies out of, out of incubators. It was a lie. But, you know, Bush got his little war. It didn't get him reelected. But Bush didn't believe in democracy either. Then we got George W. Bush. George W. Bush was put into office by five Republicans on the U.S. Supreme Court. Four of those five Republicans had been put into the Supreme Court by Nixon or Reagan before that, right? And, and, I mean, this is just nuts, right? And, and uh, you know, when the New York Times and the Washington Post and USA Today and the Associated Press, this consortium, did an analysis of the election of all that counted all the ballots in Florida a year later, in November of, of, uh, uh, of 2001, a year after the election, what they found was that by any measure, if you actually counted all the ballots in the state, Al Gore won Florida. And of course, Al Gore beat George W. Bush by a half million votes. But Anthony Scalia had said that, you know, we're going to stop the recount in Florida and we're just going to award the presidency to George W. Bush. The Supreme Court gave him the White House. And then Donald Trump colluded with the Russians to become president. So here we have a series of illegitimate Republican presidents. And in my opinion, this is what set up what's going on right now, the Republican embrace of oligarchy and fascism. It's been an incremental process, step by step, all the way from Nixon to Reagan to, to both Bushes to Trump. And, and it's leading in the direction of DeSantis in 2024. And this is the direction things are moving, is let's, let's elect a fascist Republican president. And, I, you know, I'm, I'm, shall we say, substantially concerned about this. I think it's also time that we just say out loud what appears to be absolutely true, which is that, by and large, the Republican Party has ceased to be an honest political party in the United States, a party that makes genuine, you know, credible arguments for things, and has become basically a criminal conspiracy to hold power and to enrich itself and to enrich its members. And we see this right across the board. We saw this this morning in this testimony, you know, where Andy Biggs comes out and says, no, I, you know, Republican Congressman Andy Biggs, I'm not even going to go to the hearing where these people are testifying because I'm owned by the gun industry. You got the fossil fuel industry owning these Republicans who all claim that there's no such thing as global warming. This is how bad the bribery problem is in America. So what do we do about all this? How do we wake up America? John in uh, Sherrerville, Indiana. Am I saying that right, John? I'm just 
flustered with the terrible messaging like Mark just called in. He was correct. The largest gas and oil producers, $100 billion in profit in the first quarter. Shell, $9.1 billion, three times what they made in the first quarter last year. Exxon, $8.8 billion. It's the exact same uh, thing, three times what they made last year. All right. No, why aren't we messaging this? It's a win-win. It's against oil companies who funded the Republicans. And anybody who's not a serious political watcher or junkie that follows politics, that is all they are talking about. And they're all misinformed, talking about we need to drill more when we're a net exporter. Everyone I talk to just says, ah, Biden Biden cut all the leases when it's the opposite. Why are we not messing this? It should be our top message every day on every channel. Yeah, I agree. And I would add to that a conversation I had with Congressman Khanna last week that in 1973, when Richard Nixon was facing the Arab oil embargo, he passed, he got a law passed by Congress making it a crime to export oil from the United States. All American produced oil had to stay in the United States. And uh, that law got repealed in 2016, in the last year of the Obama administration. And, and so now, you know, we're exporting oil at, at a time that, you know, we frankly need it to, to get gas prices back down. And I don't know why they're not, you know, I, you know, I get it. It would get blocked in the Senate by the Republicans and all that. Maybe there's something you know, uh, that, uh, that uh, President Biden could do with regard to, a, to an executive order or something. But, I, you know, I think that. I think that would be a win, too, if they, yeah. if they put that bill up, like you said, this is a bill to stop export until. American gas prices come down to say 250 a gallon or something. Make the Republicans be on record voting no again. Yeah, well, they did. There, there was a there was a piece of legislation. It didn't involve blocking exports, but it did involve ending price gouging on on gasoline prices. And every Republican in the House voted against it. Every and the Republicans blocked it in the Senate. It passed the House. Democrats passed it. But again, they're not yelling about that enough. kind of processing what what is going on here and and speculating about what this means for the future and for the politics of all this you know we've heard from people saying oh it's uh, you know like morris you know praise the lord it's it's wonderful good stuff is happening and uh, which is kind of the side i'm coming down on and we've gotten a couple of calls from people saying uh, you're underestimating how powerful and vicious the republicans are I, we'll see i suppose Harold in Arlington, Virginia. Hey, Harold, what's on your mind today? Maybe this comes down to what you said about you might be a perennial optimist. I'll admit that I may be a perennial pessimist. I just read an article in Mother Jones from June 7th by an author named Jacob Rosenberg. Titled is, You Can't Run on Democracy if Democracy is Broken. Now, he makes a couple of, I think, significant points that I resonate with. The first one is that The facts are already out there. There's enough information out there and has been for a while in order to criminally indict former President Trump. We've had two impeachment hearings. The second one focused on things that happened with with him encouraging the insurrection. Basically, nothing's happened to him. And the second important point that ties in with that in the article is that people have been conditioned to expect that there's going to be some startling, really powerful new revelation coming out of this that's going to sway public opinion. and, like and the White House tapes things. during Nixon? Yeah. Like a smoking that, but, gun, um, yeah. Yeah, the thing is that I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think, I mean, the hearings have been magnificent so far in, in, as far as laying out all the gory detail and having witnesses from the insiders to everybody else, you know, explaining this stuff. But I'm pessimistic about how much of an impact that's going to have. And the other point in the article is that, you know, he, th- he thinks that, you know, because of neoliberalism and different things like this, people have lost faith in democracy. So they may look at this and say, oh, yeah, he's guilty of sin. But, you know, so what? I mean, they're, they're not committed. I mean, he thinks that not a significant enough portion of the population anymore is really committed to democracy. And uh, we could point to things like authoritarian regimes around the world on the ascendancy, you know, overthrowing democracy. But the point is that democracy has to produce beneficial results for people. 
in order for them to maintain their allegiance to it. So those are the two points I wanted to make and see what your take is on them. I think the wild card lies somewhere else. I, you know, I get all those points, and, and again, with regard to the Republicans who are not going to change their minds, um, yeah, sure, absolutely. Um, like I said, I think this, this battle is going to be won in the middle, and uh, particularly with, the, with low information voters and people who don't pay attention to politics generally throughout the year until it's time to vote, and then they, and then they study up. And I think that they're starting to pay attention. But the thing that concerns me the most is a story that got almost no coverage at all. Um, there was a good piece about it in uh, Raw Story last Friday. Um, and that was that in 2018, in the middle of that election cycle, in 2018, uh, Facebook changed their algorithm. And they changed their algorithm in a way that over the next two years, and this was measured by these, by these scientists, over the next two years caused Republican-leaning and affiliated sites to triple in size on Facebook and Democratic-leaning and affiliated sites to remain essentially sta stagnant, st static. And, okay. and, and I particularly see this on, you know, with right-wing pundits versus, for example, my own Facebook page. And, I, you know, I had intuited this, but I had not seen the actual numbers. So, yeah, I mean, this would have followed Mark Zuckerberg having a couple of uh, secret dinners with Donald Trump in the White House. And I'm, I'd like to see more about that, because more than half of Americans now get their news from Facebook. And so I'm, I'm curious, I, you know, if, if anybody in Congress is going to pick this up, I think the Democrats probably should. I think that they're living in fear of Facebook, and, and you know, if they don't, that's probably why. But I think that that's probably going to be one of the major things that's, that's going to determine how this plays out, is how it plays out on Facebook and, and how their algorithm amplifies, you know, which side their, alg their, they, their algorithm chooses to amplify. And uh, so we'll see. We'll see. Harold, I'm moving along, but thank you for the call. Len in Kansas City, Missouri. Hey, Len, what's up? Uh, yes, Tom. Um, am I on? Yeah, you are. We're first, live on the air. First, first yeah, yes. Uh, first, first time being able to call in and listen to you for many, many years. Thank you. Uh, you uh, a while ago, you, you, you played uh, uh, President Kennedy's speech. And, of course, we don't have any politicians of that caliber anymore. Uh, but part of, part of his speech, I, I want to give perhaps a different perspective on, when he was saying that the enemy is not within, the enemy is without. Right. And I understand, of course, the context of that with uh, Khrushchev and, and uh, the Soviet Union actually being perhaps an existential threat, uh, putting missiles in Cuba. Well, he was also trying so, to but, say but, to people, don't, don't pay attention to these crazy right-wingers. You know, they're, they're a distraction. They're not, you know, they're, uh, it turns yeah, out yeah, that and, they and, and, turned and, out to be more than that. Well, yeah, that's exactly my point. That, I mean, there is a perspective. I'm an African-American man. And, and the near proximal existential threat to me, my children, my grandchildren, is not Putin. That existential threat is the uh, Proud Boys, the other um, um, white supremacists, yep. um, um, military, military uh, militias yep. that are, are growing, that, 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 that is an inside threat, not an external threat. I'm not saying there aren't external threats. But I there agree. is a perspective. Yeah, there is a perspective that, that African Americans have about whether or not their children and grandchildren are going to come home. And, and that's not, uh, that has nothing to do with what Putin is or is not doing. And, and the problem is that the Democratic uh, uh, unless Putin unless Putin is one of the people who is driving the racist churn on Facebook, and there's a fair amount of evidence that he is. But but back to your point, uh, I, I there, get your point. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah, and and uh, it it uh, the, the 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 Democratic Party, uh, Biden being the leader, is is uh, a, uh, apparently deaf, dumb, and blind to this issue. And I give as as an example. Uh, uh, Joe Biden, uh, in his uh, State of the Union, uh, arguing for more money for the police forces, and in fact, uh, all, uh, uh, authorizing an allocation of the excess COVID funds, those funds that have not been, were not spent, to go to police forces, when in fact, for African Americans, police forces 
and the uh, and the, um, the the Nazi, the right wing infiltration of police forces that we've known has been going on since before the Obama administration, back to the Bush administration. Uh, that that's that's not getting the attention that it needs to get to show that to, to the African American community that this internal threat of white supremacy is more important than the external threat of, of, of Vladimir Putin or any, any, any other uh, enemy. Yeah, that's and an so, excellent um, point, Len. Yeah. I, I would yeah. point yeah. out, though, that Joe Biden did end the uh, Reagan's program where police uh, were getting surplus military equipment. It's a start. It's sure, a small I, I, start. I, yeah, it, it's a small start. But, but, uh, but you know, this, this uh, November election and the 24 election are going to, to uh, weigh heavily on how African-American voters come out to vote. And I think the Democratic Party, of course, takes African-American voters for granted. Yeah. And if they can gin up enough fear, perhaps uh, then, then we'll vote, even if our issues are not, are not addressed. I think that's going to be, um, I, I think that that gambit is not going to work in this November election. Uh, the Democrats need to show that they can actually do something. And I'm not saying particularly for the African-American community, uh, because there is the issue of democracy bound up with the nearly 50% of voters who voted for Trump. Yeah. Yeah, but, I know. But, but, uh, but, to, but to make the enemy far away when the enemy for, for some of us is very near is, I think, very nearsighted. Yeah, I agree with you. Kennedy was talking at, in a different time, obviously, but, I, you know, yeah, Glenn, well said. Thank you very much for the call, Glenn. Great talking with you. Jeff in uh, San Francisco. Hey, Jeff, what's up? Yeah, I think it could take down the Republican Party. But what is the Democrats going to do? Are they going to do something smart and get the people something? Uh, be, I mean, start supporting heavily unions, you know, right off the student loans. I well, they mean, already are. I mean, Joe Biden <laughs> has been I mean, one of the things he's really been pushing that apparently is not going to pass, but um, was a uh, 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 I think it was a three or four thousand dollar tax credit if you buy an electric vehicle made. It was four thousand dollars if your electric vehicle is made with union labor, which is about half the manufacturer, the car manufacturers in the United States. It's not Tesla, by the way. So, you know, I, I think the Democrats are doing a pretty good job of saying we've got an agenda and here's what it is. Yeah, well, he's really waffling on the student loan. He's going for ten thousand instead of the whole amount. I mean, really, if, with executive order, he could write off, you know, everybody's student loan. I've already paid mine off my, my house to yeah. be road because I got tired of waiting. That, that's, I mean, he does that. He gets the election. Yeah, I think, you know, we'll see. I, we can, we can agree or disagree or, you know, fight over how big or small it should be. But I think the bottom line is Americans are realizing that Democrats are on their side and Republicans are on the side of the billionaires. Jeff, thanks for the call. Uh, Carl in Chicago. Hey, Carl, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, I, I wish I agreed with you. I wish I shared your optimism. I truly do, brother. Unfortunately, there are three things, I think, that mitigate uh, against a hopeful outcome. Number one, uh, we've got how many thousands, maybe tens of thousands of right-wing radio stations out there pumping the About most 1,500. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Well, and uh, you've had decades now of people like Tucker Carlson mainstreaming things like white replacement theory, uh, you know, whipping a certain percentage of the American electorate into an existential frenzy. Now, here's here's the here's the problem I have uh, with what you're saying. There are a lot of Republicans now, Liz Cheney, uh, Romney, you mentioned others who would like to take the party back to their, you know, big business, uh, non-radicalized roots right now. They're unable to do so because of those poisons being pumped out. And I think uh, this is the third part of, of why I think we are in deep, deep trouble here. You know, I'm a working man, a heartbeat away from 60. OK, full time job, no criminal history. I go paycheck to paycheck. I'm lucky to have a hundred bucks extra every two weeks. And uh, this is where we, we are at. And unfortunately, um, there are too many, as you say, low information voters out there who are looking for a scapegoat, looking for a place to put that anger and rage and despair. 
And I think we are at a truly terrifying moment where it is a perfect storm, if you will, of, uh, you know, right wing breeding ground. I, yeah. I think this I'm not disagreeing is, with you at all, Carl. I'm, I'm just saying I think that there are enough, uh, I, I think that A, Democrats are awake and, and you know, act, acting in large numbers. Uh, we saw that in the 2020 election. And B, I think that the independents are starting to wake up. God, I hope so. Because uh, when you hit people in the pocketbook like this, um, especially with the right, you know, again, think about it, Tom. If people have a hundred bucks after every, you know, biweekly paycheck, yeah. look what gas has done to that. No, I, I, mean, I, I totally, know, I totally get it, uh, Carl. But you know, and 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 that's going to be the, one of the big questions this fall: is uh, are people willing to overlook yes, their paycheck, and 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 or their pocketbook, and look look to the future of America? Carl, thank you for the call. Rob in Mount Iron, Minnesota. Hey, Rob, what's up? I took and I took a little time here. I got a dictionary. I bet you every single one of your listeners has one. And guess what? I took and I looked up the definition of the words sedition and treason. Mm -hmm. Now, I have the question for you. What happens when the leader has committed sedition and treason? What happens is that you are now in a fascist state. Trump should be in jail now. No bail. All of his supporters, voters, followers are guilty of sedition and treason, too. Well, I'm not sure that you could say that about his voters and followers. I, you know, he's a he's a con man. He's a very, if very successful con man. The, if they support them, if they support somebody who has committed sedition and treason, then they are guilty. Uh, yeah. OK. I, I, I don't think it's quite that cut and dry, but I get I get where you're coming from, uh, Rob. Thanks a lot for the call. Uh, Donna in Vancouver, Washington. Hey, Donna, what's up? Hi, I've always listened to you for years, um, even when you were on Air America, bought your books. My son and I both seen you over at a theater in what is it, southeast Portland years ago. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I've always been a progressive Democrat, but I'm a little bit concerned here about a few things. Um, first of all, I don't believe in censorship and, you know, talk about the Nazis, you know, that people like Dr. Robert Malone were silenced. He invented the MR mRNA vaccine. I love listening to the high wire. They he didn't invent it, actually. Vaccine. He claims that, but he's lying, Donna. Yeah. He was he was well, part of a team that developed one of the technologies that was later used to develop the mRNA vaccines. Well, but he, but what, Malone is a liar. That's, that's what they disbunk. But when you look at who- No, I'm serious. Malone, I, you, you, are, you are reading lies and disinformation, Have you ever Donna. had him on your show? You should have him on your show. I, wa I won't have liars on my show, Donna. I'm not going to do it. So Peter McCulloch is a liar, too? I don't know and who Naomi he is. Wolf, I, I think, you, well, you don't know who Peter McCulloch is. He's the most, um, <laughs> he's written more articles, published articles in, on cardiology He's um, and on COVID. Um, he's a professor. He's a cardiologist. If he's anti-vax, he's, he's a crackpot. That's that's my position. No, he's not anti-vax. <laughs> that's labels like that people give. Have you, have you listened yeah. to Naomi Klein? Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to stop it right there. I, you know, I, yes, I've heard all the voices saying that the mRNA vaccination vaccine is going to alter your DNA. They're lies that uh, uh, the the first doctor you mentioned who claims to have invented our mRNA vaccines says that they're dangerous. He's he he had nothing to do with inventing or very little to do with inventing mRNA vaccines and are certainly not the current ones, not the covid vaccines. There's a whole industry out there, Donna. There's a, literally a whole industry. And these people make a lot of money and get a lot of publicity and they promote these lies and they are being amplified heavily by the algorithm on Facebook and, and other social media. And they pour that stuff into your brain until you believe it. And I'm telling you, Donna, you have been brainwashed. And, and it's really tragic. I would encourage you to take some of those names and plug them into a search engine along with things like the word liar. Uh, because, you know, it's, it's just wrong what these people are doing, that they are sucking in people like you. Dave in Federal Way, Washington. Hey, Dave, thanks for listening to us on SiriusXM. What's up? Hey, Tom, I want to comment on your op-ed topic. Uh, Jeffrey Tubin today, he was using a million words to say what you put in, a, in one phrase 
couple months ago, and I'm not criticizing Tubin or complimenting you. I got a point to it. You said that Donald Trump has one out in all this. He can just simply say he thought he won. He thought he won. All right. And like I said, Tubin broke it down. It, but here's the reality. Um, you know, there was a traumatic event that affected a lot of Americans. It was Barack Obama's uh, reelection. Now, I know a rational person doesn't want to believe me, but basically they have abandoned all democracy. Democracy has zero meaning to them to preserve the Republicans. Well, and specifically the Trumpers, because back to your op ed, I am giving a little bit. Look, there has always been a need for a political party to represent the wealthy, even though we don't like it. We don't agree with it. There has always been that. All right. And but these Trumpers are a new phenomenon in America. They absolutely reject all democracy. Now, my main point is, um, you know, Vladimir Putin just this weekend was making comments about Peter the Great. China has was testing uh, aircraft carriers that are completely droned. They're unmanned. They're unmanned aircraft carriers with unmanned drones. Nothing has fundamentally changed, Tom, in my 25 years. OK, I, I keep looking for it. But here's the bottom line. We are never going to out-authoritarian Russia and China. Now, Trumpers, I know they would love to try. They would love to put King Trump in there and just abandon all democracy in America because, like I said, it's it's existential to them. And um, but we're not going to win. All right. If we get into a contest of theft of oil and resources and stuff, the numbers are on the side of China and Russia. We yep. will lose. No, I get it. Dave, thank you. Uh, <laughs> our authoritarianism is not as real as their authoritarianism because their entire form of government is based on their authoritarianism, which is exactly what Trump wanted to turn America into. Is the Republican Party going to turn away from this? What say you? Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Morris in Long Beach, California. Hey, Morris, what's up? Man, I've never seen America look so beautiful. I'm serious, Tom Hartman. <laughs> okay. This morning at that select committee meeting. I mean, look, 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 check this out. Now, look at the images. You got Benny and the Jess Thomas. I'm Benny Thompson, I'm sorry. You got Benny Thompson, right? And you got Liz Cheney sitting together. Yeah. What brings them together? Principle. Not religion, not economic class, not ethnicity, principles to the damn rule of law. It was beautiful. And I'm going to tell you something. The presence of the Lord is here, y'all. I was going to sing, but I'm going to give you a break. The presence of the Lord was here because people who are paying attention to this, I don't care where you thought where you were before. I don't care where you were before. I know where you're going to be at the end. And when I think of Donald Trump, I think of this guy named Mussolini. Remember what happened to him, Tom Hartman? Oh, yeah. He got uh, shot and then hung upside down. Um, I'm not wishing either of those things on oh, any no, politicians no, 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 here. No, no, but... no, no, no. Wait, I didn't say I was wishing. I said, do you remember what happened to him? Yeah. See, when you play with fire, guess what happens to you when you play with fire, Tom Hartman? Yeah, you get burned. All right. Talk to you later, my brother. Yeah, okay. You. Thanks, Boris. Good talking to you, as always. I, I think Boris is right. I, I really do. I'm, I'm actually encouraged in this moment. I'm, I'm feeling quite optimistic. I, I, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm just a perennial optimist. But it sure seems to me like these hearings are going to wake people up, particularly the fact that they're basically focusing on one issue. You know, I mean, the, the, this hearing was A, Trump lost it, he knew it, and B, he went out and raised a quarter of a billion dollars on a lie. And those are very, very, very powerful points. The way you stop fascism is you stop the fascists. You stop their movement. And the election of Joe Biden and the unwillingness of Mike Pence to go along with Donald Trump's seditious plot were major 
positive moments. Now, it wasn't moving us forward in a positive direction. It stopped or paused the slide, the backward slide into fascism or the sideways slide into fascism to mangle a metaphor. And now the Justice Department is weighing in. They're getting in on the act. And now the Proud Boys leader, uh, Tario, Enrique Tario, Henry Tario is his real name, um, has been charged with, along with four of his lieutenants, with seditious conspiracy, which is a major felony, an attempt to overthrow the government. And this, I think this is a positive thing. What's scary about it, and, and Rachel Maddow pointed this out last night, what's scary about it is that there have, in, in the modern era, there have only been two major seditious conspiracy prosecutions. In both cases, they had overwhelming evidence that the people were arming themselves to overthrow the government. And in both cases, the government lost the prosecution. The defendants walked. So whether history will repeat itself here, we don't know. I mean, this is pretty indisputable stuff, but it's been highly politicized. Uh, they also busted and, and, and are going after Stuart Rhodes, the, the head of the Oath Keepers, along with 10 of his associates. And uh, a couple of these Oath Keepers, one in particular, William Todd Wilson of North Carolina, has pled guilty, or pleaded guilty, I guess is the phrase, to the charge, and they are now cooperating with the Justice Department. And I, I put that forward as the good news for the day. I am hypothesizing that this might cause a reboot within the Republican Party. That's the essence of my op-ed today at HartmanReport.com, that the damage being done to Trump by these January 6th hearings might cause the party to go back to its kind of Mitt Romney, Dwight Eisenhower, Herbert Hoover roots. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com.